Well, praise the Lord. Once again, Pastor Jerry coming to you with the Word of God. Again, it is always an honor, always a privilege to bring you the Word of God. We're so grateful that you're connecting with us, praise God, whether it be through podcasts, the website, whether it be Roku, however it is. Hallelujah. We're just grateful you're connecting with us, praise God. So we're going to jump right back into the Word of God today. We're going to Joshua 1, hallelujah, once again. Hallelujah. Joshua 1. Last week started a little mini-series um, calling it uh, Taking Our Promised Land. Taking Our Promised Land. Praise God. So let's go ahead and read the text, and we'll jump kind of right, uh, maybe do a little brief review, and then we'll kind of jump into what we have for you today. Verse 1 of chapter 1 says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Again, one of the shortest eulogies you'll ever read. Amen. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I said to Moses, for or from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, repeats himself here, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commands you. Do not turn from it. Uh, to the right hand, or to the right hand, or to the left, that you may prosper. Here we go, or succeed. Right, prosper wherever you go. The book, or this book of the law, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Again, uh, talking about uh, you know successful days ahead, uh, prosperous or uh, that means productive, praise God, bearing some fruit, profitable, praise God. And then, uh, hallelujah, talks about good success, which just means having the desired result that you're believing for. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Again, he says it, be strong and of good courage, praise God. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, remember, this was the instructions that uh, the Lord gave Joshua, amen, to take that next generation into what he referred to as the promised land. Praise God, a promised land. A land, he says, scriptures actually refer to it many times as a land flowing with milk and honey, praise God, which is just referring to a prosperous or successful life, praise God, a life of the blessing, praise God. In fact, how many know that you too have a promised land, a, a, a blessed life, an abundant life, Jesus called it, Paul called it the life of God, amen. The psalmist called it the blessed life, praise God, hallelujah. So praise God, we're called to a life, hallelujah, called what we would refer to as our promised land, amen. A lot of people might say, well, the promised land is referring to heaven. It's our type and shadow of heaven, but it really is not because it's very clear they have an enemy, they have somebody that's going to resist them and oppose them, and uh, we do not have that in heaven. Uh, you got to kind of fight for that promised land. Amen. you got to be willing to move forward and take it. Praise God. Now, I took a little time last week. I talked about the word promise because 
uh, you know, in uh, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20, it brings out that all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him amen or so be it. In other words, there's all kinds of promises in this word that are for you. Just like this land was a promised land to them, amen, a promised way of living, praise God. The same thing holds to you and me, praise God. In fact, Hebrews 8 and verse 6, as I brought out last week, I'm just going to bring it out again, just says that Jesus is a mediator of a better covenant established on better promises, praise God, amen. So this covenant, which you know is we have in here, a, you know, he's referring to the new covenant or a better covenant. We have the old covenant, new covenant. What does the word covenant mean again? Let's bring that out. It means a testament or a will. It also refers to a contract, all right, which means a writing containing agreements or promises that have been made. So what you have in here are agreements and promises that have been made. That's why it's referred to as the new and the, uh, you know, the old and the new testament, the, uh, the will and testament of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, it's just talking about that. Not only does it give a lot of information about our God and about our Lord and a lot of history about everything and all the patriarchs of faith and those in the new covenant through the book of Acts and a lot of letters written to the church, but you have to understand that inside all of it are promises, agreements and promises that God has made to His people, amen, a promised land, a blessed life, an abundant life, the life of God that we're all called to, praise God, a quality of life that we're called to possess, praise God. Now, the book of Hebrews also talked about in chapter 6 and verse 12, it says that we through faith and patience inherit those promises, praise God. So that means by standing and believing, amen, and the word patience means to be consistent or constant with, praise God. So through believing and, and continuing to believe, praise God, you inherit those promises. Chapter 10, verse 36 of Hebrews brings out very clear that through endurance, amen, that we possess that. And again, it's remaining constant, staying with it, keep going, keep moving forward, praise God, which is kind of key for today, amen. But it also says that we begin to do, or as we do the will of God, it says that you will receive those promises, praise God. And so the same thing holds true for you and me today, even under the new covenant, as it did for uh, Joshua and the children of God uh, there in the book of Joshua. This is what he's saying. This, if you will walk this, if you will do this, you will walk in your promised land. You will inherit the promise that you have received from God. You will walk and receive that which He has promised you, praise God. Now the word promise, I don't think I gave that to you yet. Uh, I talked about it last week briefly. The word promise means, um, let's see here, an expressed assurance on which expectation is to be based. So you have a covenant, amen, that's a writing containing agreements and promises that have been made to you by God, amen. But those promises, amen, are that which has been expressed, an expressed assurance, something that has been spoken and recorded for you and me, an expressed assurance on which you and me, our expectation is to be based, or our anticipation, or our hope is to be based. Now again, real quickly in a nutshell, that's kind of a little bit of a review of some things we talked about last week. So what you have here is promises, amen, that you and me are called to possess, to inherit, to grab hold of, to seize, to lay hold of it, praise God, amen, hey, lay, lay hold of that life you're called to, 
Uh, so we're taking some uh, example of, of what God has talked to Joshua. So back to Joshua 1, all right, Joshua 1. And we talked about a couple of those things last week. Verse 1 again, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, okay? So we see first off, God is speaking to Joshua. And if you recall last week, we talked about how Joshua developed his hearing. Okay, because he spent time with God. We actually took some, you know, turned to some references on that, praise God, that where he developed his hearing because he spent time with God. You and me also, all right, if we will spend time with God, our hearing becomes more defined, more developed, amen, more fine-tuned, amen, if we will spend time with him. Well, why is that so important? Because you have to stay attentive, amen. That was our first key last week. You have to stay attentive, amen. If we stay attentive, see, we can begin to possess the promised land, possess the life that we're called to, that abundant life. Amen. If there is a plan to be laid out, then we need to be attentive to be able to hear that plan. Amen. We want to hear that, praise God, because you're never going to be able to walk it out if you don't first hear it, praise God. Otherwise, what happens, uh, even though we have a relationship somewhat with God, we know God, we're born again, we're saved, we're heaven-bound, a lot of times, if you don't develop your hearing, if you don't take the time and develop intimacy with God to where you can begin to hear, and I, I kind of point to my, my physical ear, but we're talking about really an inward ear, and God has made your ear to hear, amen, He's made you uh, to have a, a, an ear to hear and an eye to see things, and really that's how Jesus operated. He said, I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it. I don't say anything unless I hear the Father say it. So his hearing and his seeing, amen, by the Spirit now, of course, we're talking, amen, his hearing and his seeing were pretty fine-tuned. That's why he could always be in the right place at the right time, always knew what to say, always knew who to minister to, and, you know, and even really, to be honest, who to, you know, walk right on by. There's a lot of times that we see where he walked by a lot of situations just to minister to one situation, amen. We see it time and time again through the Gospels. Amen. Well, how did he know that? How was he so successful? Because he had an ear to hear and he had an eye to see, praise God. God showed him things and God spoke things to him. Well, the same thing holds true with Joshua. Joshua developed his hearing. In fact, uh, one place in Joshua, he refers to God as the living God, the God who is present. Amen. He had such a relationship with God. He saw him as the living God. Amen. It wasn't just some God that's far off that has no connection, no interaction. He actually had connection and interaction. He had communion with God, intimacy with God. Amen. And as a result of it, he was able to hear God. And multiple times through the book of Joshua, we see where Joshua hears the instruction and follows it. Amen. Hallelujah. And as a result of it, praise God, he bore fruit, praise God. It, it, things manifest right. We even have a couple places in there where uh, he, he didn't take the time to hear God and got himself in a little bit of trouble because he didn't take the time to hear God. But he learned his lesson, praise the Lord, amen, and, uh, you know, made, stayed a little bit more attentive, walked, uh, you, know, uh, we, uh, you know, walked out and stepped out, everything God had instructed him to do. And as a result of it, praise God, he was successful. They took the promised land, amen. All right, verse 2 then says, uh, you know, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, that was kind of key, now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am given to them, 
the children of Israel. Now, if you remember last week, the second thing, first one again, stay attentive, but the second one was to stay pliable, all right? You had to stay pliable. It says now, in other words, what he's telling Joshua, things are different now, okay? What used to be is no more. Moses is now gone, and you are now leaving this desert. You're crossing the Jordan, and everything's going to be different. Everything that I promised you is going to come to pass, but you have to be willing to take these steps. You've got to be willing, okay, and be okay with some change here. You've got to be okay with, amen, now everything's going to be different. As of this time on, everything's different than what it was from this point back. And if you recall, your whole walk in God is no different. That's exactly what happens to you and me. From the moment we receive Christ, everything gets different. Everything starts changing and shifting. Amen. We go from glory unto glory. We go from faith to faith, strength to strength, grace upon grace. All of that is requiring some shifting, some changing. All of it requires some form of transformation. Amen. And every part of our growth and development in God, moving forward in God, being effective and bearing fruit in God, all of it requires some form of change and adjustments in our life. So not only do you have to stay attentive, you have to be willing now, amen, to be pliable, or we could even say teachable even in some of these things. It's about being teachable. It's about letting God speak things into you and you being okay with it, amen. You making the adjustments as he leads, praise God, amen. So that was last week's message in a nutshell. So verse three, now let's look at the third thing. See, every verse here that we've read here, all nine of these verses has a key okay, to possessing uh, our promised land or taking our promised land, all right? Verse 3 now says this, all right, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, every place that the sole of your foot, hallelujah, will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. Okay, now the key here, obviously there's a promise here, okay, that everything's been, you know, been given to you. But see, what's the key here? If we're talking about taking our promised land, again, the first one being attentive, second one being pliable, but this one now is about being assertive, okay? You have got to be willing to take the steps. You've got to be willing to move forward. All right, if we're ever going to do this, if we're ever going to, whatever we're talking about, I don't care if we're talking about business, we're talking about your walk in God, we're talking about relationships, we're talking about your health, I don't care what it is, whatever promises you're reaching for, okay, whatever it is that you're stepping forward or, or you want to possess, you have to be willing to step forward, you have to be willing to move forward, all right? So this is referring, about, referring to going forward, we're taking ground, amen, but literally it's about taking the steps. You've got to take the steps and move forward. In fact, even while the children of Israel were in the, the desert and Moses was leading them, if you remember at, when they came out of Egypt, of course, the whole thing with the, uh, the Red Sea and all that, but they, they were heading to a place called uh, uh, Horeb, which is uh, Mount Sinai, okay? It was actually the place where... Uh, Moses connected with God with the burning bush, but he was called to uh, bring the children of Israel to that place because he was bringing them, the word said he was bringing them unto himself to worship. 
he was trying to connect with his people. Now, of course, there was a little struggle there. Uh, they all didn't know how to do that, and they wanted Moses to handle it all and all that kind of stuff, and that's a whole other story. But the bottom line is, he took them to that place, and even then, the Scripture says this in Deuteronomy 1, in verses 6 and 7, it says that the Lord, uh, our God, spoke to us in Horeb, which is, again, Mount Sinai, and said, amen, you have dwelt long enough, hey, I love this, you have dwelt long enough at this mountain, all right, turn and now take your journey and go. Of course, he gives them direction on what to do. The point is, even when they were in the wilderness, it wasn't like they all just parked in one spot and stayed there 40 years. Okay, now, of course, there's a whole story behind all of that. But the bottom line was, even while they were in the wilderness, he wouldn't let them just stay in one spot. They constantly were, you know, they'd move and, you know, the pillar of cloud uh, uh, by day, the pillar of fire by night would lead them at times, and they would go, and then they would be at an, a location for a little while. But again, he'd, they'd pick up and move again to another location. And here I just kind of liked how, uh, how it was worded because he said, listen, you've dwelt long enough at this mountain, okay? And sometimes I take note of that um, because of the types and shadows of things. You think about, uh, you know, so many times even when we have things that go good, Okay, you might have this mountaintop experience and great things that have happened. And literally, I've seen this, uh, uh, this, this error that has happened in the body of Christ many times where a good thing happens. We have a great thing that, that manifests, and God shows himself strong in something, and we just want to camp there forever. You know, well, you can't. Okay, you got to be willing to follow God because God isn't going to have you just stay in one location all your life. Amen. And I'm talking about in, in your walk in God. I'm not necessarily talking about a, a physical location. I'm not trying to tell you all got to go, you know, sell your house and move somewhere. I'm just saying that what it comes down to is you got to be willing in yourself that as God begins to grow you up and, and mature you and, and move you forward in things, you got to be willing that even though you've had some great things happen, be willing to move forward, amen, in other words, pick up, step forward, move forward, amen, take ground in your life, amen, praise God. In fact, I like to, uh, you know, look at it where, you know, anytime you're talking about growing or developing, uh, progressing in God, advancing in God, improving, increase, expand, these are all words that are used in the Scripture, and what it, all of it's referring to, you know, you're going to have to move forward. If any of that's going to happen in your life, you've got to move forward, amen, you just got to be willing to do that. Amen. Let's go to uh, let's go to Philippians. Kind of go into the new covenant for a minute here. Philippians and chapter three, a common text, but if you kind of hear it in the light of what we've been talking about here, Amen. You're going to see that you know this is God has never changed uh, in how he how he deals with his people. Amen. You know I always love the the fact that God is so good, so merciful, um, so compassionate. Okay, we see that not only in our God, but we see that in our, our Lord and Savior when His ministry. Uh, you know, of course, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So, you know, anything you see Jesus and how He operates is very clear. That's how the Father operates. And, you know, He meets every one of us where we're at. And praise God for that. Amen. No matter what our past, no matter, uh, you know, what our education, our financial status, our race, our color, it doesn't, none of that matters to God. Uh, you know, so it, no matter what's back there, no matter what's behind us, He always meets us right where we're at. But the, the cool thing about it is God never leaves you where you're at. There's always a moving forward. There's always some form of progress, advancement, 
growth and development, praise God, transformation. I mean, there's so many things and so many verses in the Scripture uh, that bring that out, praise God. And really, it's a wonderful thing, praise God. But if you're not willing to move forward, ain't none of that going to happen, okay? You're going to be stumbled right off the bat because you got to be willing to take the steps to move forward. Remember, he'll give you He'll give you every place the sole of your foot treads. But you got to be willing to tread. you got to be willing to place the, the, the sole of your foot. Amen, in a sense. you got to be willing to take the steps. Amen. It's so key. But, you know, it, it, a lot of, this is where a lot of people get hung up. Okay? A lot of people just kind of stay in one spot and they get comfortable, and that's a dangerous thing. All right? So you got to be willing to move forward, praise God. Philippians 3 again, verse 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may, here we go, lay hold. There's that word again. Lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. In other words, I have purpose. I have a purpose in my life. And as a result of it, I have to move forward, press on, regardless of where I'm at at the moment. I, I, I might not have all the answers. I might not have done everything right. And even Paul himself, you know, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. and yet. He says, I haven't necessarily arrived. I haven't got everything down. I haven't got all the answers. I'm still growing and developing. But the only way I can do that is if I move forward, praise God, and lay hold of what's mine, praise God. He goes on, verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, praise God. And I love that verse. And every time I read it, i got to bring this out. You notice the word I do, in, at least in most of your uh, translations, in most of your Bibles, it's going to be italicized because it was added by the, by the translator and uh, trying to make it clear. But in all honesty, uh, sometimes, it, sometimes that stuff complicates things because really what he's saying is, you know, I don't have everything down, but there's one thing I do have down. I know how to put my past behind me. And boy, I tell you what, what a revelation. I mean, child of God, if you can get a hold of that, I'm telling you what, that's one of the keys. If you're going to move forward, if you're going to actually take the steps and move forward, you've got to be willing to let go of the things of yesterday, yesteryear, yesterdecade, okay, depending on what we're dealing with. But a lot of times those are things that hang us up, things that maybe uh, it could be good or bad, to be honest about it. You know, It could be some great things happen, and you're just not willing to, to move past and move on into some greater things. It could be that uh, you know, for most people probably it's, it's negative things back there. Okay, you know, you got born again, got saved out of a, some living hell, you know, back there or something, you know, some life that, uh, you know, you weren't so proud of or whatever, you know, things that happen. And, and believe me, that's that's the case for a lot of people. But if you're not willing to let go of that, it's hard to move forward. And that's what Paul's bringing out. He says, I got that revelation. That's one thing I got down. I could put all that stuff behind me and I just move forward. Praise God. Amen. That doesn't mean that you excuse it or you, uh, you know, you're you're proud of it or you're or or, or uh, you know uh, condemned about it i mean that that's the opportunity the enemy tries to bring condemnation with things like that it just it's just the fact that listen i right now that's back there i i can't change that now but what i can do is change where i'm headed amen i can stay more focused on where i'm going than what i'm even going through or came through are you hearing me today see no matter what you came through or what you're even going through at the moment if you will stay focused on where you're going, amen, and that's what Paul's trying to bring out, amen, if you're willing to say whatever from here on back I'm letting go of, 
I'm moving forward. Amen. If you will do that, you will able, you're able to move forward and to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold uh, of you. Praise God. So verse 14, I press toward the goal or the mark for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Again, just saying the, uh, in a lot of ways, saying the same thing, but it's talking about, you know, I just take the steps. I have a, I might have, a, you know, uh, long-term goals and I might have short-term, short-term marks that, uh, that I'm trying to, you know, head toward, depending on what we're dealing with, what part of your life we're talking about. But regardless of the short-term marks or the, uh, the long-term or long-range uh, goals that you may have out there, all that's wonderful, but you got to be willing to let go of things of yesterday in order to press forward to those things ahead. Amen. And so if you may have all kinds of goals, but if you're not willing to move forward, you ain't never going to reach those goals. And that's what Paul's trying to bring out. Amen. I haven't got all the answers. Haven't done everything perfect yet, but what I've done, praise God, is willing to move forward and reach for what I'm called to reach for, praise God. Now, you notice it says this in the end of that verse 14 uh, of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I like that. In Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, the, the scripture says this in Acts 17 and 28. I probably won't turn there, but I'm just going to bring it out. It's a common text here, but it says this that in Him, right, we live and move and have our being. It's in Him, okay? So anything we're talking about, all this that we're talking about moving forward, we're not, we're not excluding the fact that it's always about in Him. That's why it first starts off, be attentive, right? Come on now, uh, be pliable, because, uh, you know, it's all about in Him. So you're, you're hearing instructions, you're, you're willing to make adjustments and changes, you're willing to do that, and you're willing to move forward. Why? Because you're in Him. You're, you're connecting to Him. You're following Him. You're getting your leading, your marching order, so to speak, your, uh, your instructions from Him, and you move forward, praise God. See, in Him, we live and move and we have our being. Now, the reason that's such a key verse is the word live means uh, to, have ex uh, to have life or experience life, but it literally means a life of enjoyment, like what we've been talking about, the abundant life, amen, the life of God, praise God. It talks about, praise God, literally enjoying that life, amen. So if, you, if you're willing to move forward, see, in Him, you can have the life you're called to. Then it said, in Him we live and move. That word means stirred to move forward, enticed with motivation. It means to be given drive. It really refers to a no-quit spirit, amen. And uh, so it's talking about moving forward, praise God, obviously. Let's do the next one. It means, it says, uh, last part of that was having our being. Remember, in Him we live and move and have our being. That word there means purpose of being or reason for existence or aimed, amen, aimed for accomplishment, amen. So all of them really are talking about grabbing hold of what's yours, but it's about moving forward. In fact, if you go back to that, you know, in Him we live and in Him we move. Okay, and again, remember that's talking about being motivated. Amen. It's in Him that we have drive. It's in Him, praise God, that, uh, you know, that we can go forward, praise God, and obtain the life we're called to, uh, obtain that purpose we're called to, that which we've been aimed for, praise God. But think about this, and I'm just, just for maybe for sake of time here, I'll just say it this, that the word's real clear that, that we're not to look back, 
We're not to draw back. Amen. The word says we are not of those who draw back to perdition. It says that in Hebrews. Amen. Luke 9 brings out no man having put his hand to the plow, looking back as fit for the kingdom. Also in the book of uh, Luke, I think it's like Luke 17, it brings out, you know, don't, talking about um, Lot's life, you know, talking about, you know, take example of Lot's life and what happened there. And the problem was, her problem was she looked back. So I just want to say this real quick about this. Uh, we're not those that draw back. We move forward. Amen. In fact, a life of faith is about moving forward. Amen. If you kind of look at that in Hebrews and uh, Hebrews 10 there, but that's what it's talking about. We're not those who draw back. We don't, we don't back up. We move forward. Now, there might be things that maybe ain't going the, you know, the right road, you know, the right thing. We might be on the wrong road, so to speak. We might have took us a detour. We got no business taken. I get all that. But in all honesty, man, it's still it's about moving forward. You know, it's not about backing up. It's about hearing the marching orders, hearing the instructions, and move forward in God. Amen. This is how it's going to work. The only way you're ever going to possess your promised land, the only way you're ever going to possess the life you're called to, the life of God, the abundant life, the blessed life, is you got to be willing to move forward. Amen. You got to be willing to move forward. You got to be attentive. Amen. You got to be pliable and you got to be assertive. Praise God. You have to be willing to take the steps and move forward. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's go back to Joshua. Joshua 1. Praise the Lord. I hope you're hearing this today. Hallelujah. Such uh, huge keys. Joshua 1. Okay, now let's look at verse 4. Or maybe we should read verse 3 and 4 here, but it just says, Every place of the, uh, that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given you. And it said this, As I said to Moses, from the wilderness, now, verse 4, from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the, uh, to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Now, what do you get out of this? Well, let's take a look at it. It says here, it's talking about really a, a plot of land. And it's actually a, a pretty big chunk of land, okay, uh, the wilderness uh, and this Lebanon as far as the great river, okay, he's talking this, and then the land of the Hittites from the great sea to the going down of the sun. So he's, he's kind of giving you these outward uh, boundaries, okay, and they're huge. It's a lot of land in here, but he, he makes mention of something in the midst of it, okay, and this is our key, okay. It says this, he called about all the land of the Hittites. Now, there's all kinds of ites, okay, I like to say, that are in the land, okay, and they... Uh, you know, they go in, they take Jericho, they have a little mishap there at AI, but then they get that all figured out. And then they go in, and I think it's, a, it's like 31 or 32 consecutive victories, okay, of all the different places that they, uh, they, they had a battle, and they won and took land, all right? So there's all kinds of, but you notice in this text here, it mentions one group of people. It mentions the Hittites. Well, there's a reason for it, okay? The Hittites, okay, the word means to terrorize or to, ter or to be fearful or terrorize, but it means to terrorize, here we go, by intimidation is what the word means. The Hittites were a people that did certain things that terrorized, you know, those that come near them. Or they would, uh, if they went to go take a land or whatever it was, or they go to war, they would do it in a way that terrorized people, okay? Uh, they would do just certain things that would do nothing but just make people panic and be fearful, Okay. They were terrorists, okay, and that's what they did. They terrorized, okay, by intimidation, okay. Probably how they, you know, they maybe the war cries and the uh, the way they looked and uh, maybe certain things they did. They maybe did some, 
you know, some real nasty things that, that, that the word got out, that how they were. And so what happens is what it was, it was a form of intimidation. And he's trying to let it be known. Now, listen, that I'm giving you the land, but you have to understand that not only do you have to be attentive, pliable, and assertive, but you're going to have to be aware because understand this, amen, there's going to be opposition. Okay? And he didn't even really make it sound like it's all going to be easy. He just said, you're going to have opposition. You're going to have those that are going to uh, oppose you. He literally bring it out. You've got to expect there's going to be pressure here. Okay? You've got to understand that you have an enemy. Now, this is so key. Okay? I hope you're hearing this today. Okay? Because God is saying the same thing to you and me. Okay? You're called to go take the land. Now, that doesn't mean it's, it's, it's going to be without battle. Jesus said even in the world, you're going, to have, you're going to have some form of pressure, some form of tribulation. But he said, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. In other words, the one that has overcome the world is on the inside of you and me, praise God, which means that even though you have pressure and things ahead to deal with, you can do this. Amen. You can't be afraid of it, praise God. In fact, Paul brings out in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 9, he brings out that with opportunity comes opposition. All right, now that's kind of the, the Jerry Roberts condensed version there, but that's exactly what he's saying. With every opportunity, in fact, he used the word with every open door, you got to expect there's some form of opposition. Well, the same thing is what he's telling Joshua. He's saying, listen, you got to be aware of this, okay? Be aware, okay? Not only are you going to take ground, not only are you going to be, you know, assertive, in other words, you're going to take some ground, but you got to be aware of the fact that you do have an enemy out there and an enemy is going to try to oppose you. And you need to know this because, see, the first time, let's just say this. I'll, I'll kind of bring it out this way. I've seen many a Christian that got, you know, this leading from God or know they're supposed to move forward in God and they start to move forward and here comes the enemy, just bang, slaps them upside the head like a big dog. I mean, they're just messing. You know, the enemy just comes to intimidate, okay, comes to terrorize by intimidation. That's what he does. Okay? He plays head trips with you. But you have to understand that you cannot be neither ignorant of your enemy nor, come on now, nor intimidated by your enemy. All right? See, with every opposition, or probably with every opportunity comes opposition. Now, the scriptures are clear in 2 Corinthians 2 and 11. It says this, that we're not to be ignorant of the enemy's devices. In Ephesians 6, one of many verses, but it brings out, amen, that we're called to stand against the wiles of the enemy. Okay, and then it goes on in that text there, because it's all about the armor of God, but it talks about that even though you don't have a fight with flesh and blood, but you do have a fight against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, and spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. You've got to fight. So you cannot be unaware of the fact that you have an enemy. Now, the enemy is so deceiving and so deceptive, and what he does, he tries to manipulate, amen, intimidate, all the different things that he tries. But the, one of the keys that he does, uh, one of his keys, I should say, is he tries to convince you that, you know, it's God or something, or it's people, all right, that's doing you wrong. And don't get me wrong, the enemy might use people, all right, but you got to understand there's an enemy that's coming to steal to oppose you, all right? And you have to not only be in a place where you refuse to be intimidated, okay? you got to remain uh, in a place where you're not ignorant of an enemy, 
Come on now. So we don't want to be ignorant nor intimidated by our enemy. Let's go to James chapter 4. We might close the service out with some verses out of the New Covenant today. So James, please. There we go. Chapter 4, kind of a common text. And wasn't that long ago, we did kind of a series uh, talking about some of this. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. But it's worthy of bringing out when we're talking about possessing our promised land. Uh, you just have to understand that, you know, you can't, uh, you know, you have got to be aware of the fact that you have an enemy, and you need to always be aware of that. Now, that don't mean that you got to, you know, expect the enemy behind every door, but the bottom line is you just understand how he operates, and he is going to come to try to somehow pressure you or intimidate you or deceive you uh, into, you know, grabbing hold of what's right for yours, all right? In fact, here in James 4 and verse 7, he says this, Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, right, and he will flee from you, all right? Now, it first starts with submitting to God, which is exactly what we've been bringing out in Joshua 1, right? To be attentive, to be pliable, to be assertive, amen? All of this is getting instruction to God, going to Him, getting in the marching orders, getting instruction, praise God, amen? You're submitting yourself to God, but then you've got to also understand, amen, you've got to be aware. That was the fourth uh, key there. Be aware that you have an enemy. Okay, be aware of, you know, the pressure, the opposition that's going to come against you, all right? So you can deal with it. But how do you do it? Well, you have to resist it, all right? Because anytime you're going to take ground, you got to be willing to resist the opposition, all right? You got to resist it, praise God, in whatever fact, depending on what it is. But you got to be willing to resist it. If you're going to possess your promised land, if you're going to take your promised land, the life you're called to, the abundant life, the life of God, if you're going to take that blessed life, you're going to get a hold of it in any area of your life, then what's happening is you've got to also be willing to understand that there is an enemy and you've got to be willing to resist that enemy. All right? So submit to God, resist the devil. Okay? That means to stand against, to oppose. All right? Hallelujah. Resist the devil. And the Word says he will flee from you. Now, I'm going to make some statements here. And I've made this pretty clear in some of my other series, but um, I, I feel like I still need to say it here. There are two major things that God will not do for you. Now, God has paid a, you know, sent His Son to pay a price for you, has laid everything at your feet, so to speak. Okay? I mean, everything is yours. Everything He's done is for you. Amen. But there's two things He won't do for you. He will not receive for you. You've got to release your faith. You've got to be willing to press in and believe. Amen. Remember, through faith, and patience or consistency through that endurance, sticking with it, pray through faith and patience, you inherit those promises. So you have to walk in faith. You have to believe. You have to trust God. Amen. And the other thing he will not do for you, he will not resist for you. He will not resist the enemy for you. And this is where a lot of Christians get off on it. Okay. They're sitting there getting mad at God, upset with God, praying to God to change something to, uh, to get, uh, you know, to get in a sense, to get the enemy off their back. Many times they don't even have a clue it's the enemy. They just, uh, uh, you know, they're just trying to, God, change my life, change my life, change my life. And don't get me wrong, that's wonderful. We, we, want, we want life to be changed, but you have to understand, if you're not aware of the fact that you have an enemy, you may be trying to get God to change something in your life that he's already paid a price for. And really, all you got to do now is resist your enemy. Amen. And I've seen a many a Christian get all flustered and uh, give up their, uh, their walk, so to speak, give up the ground, amen, and not you know, press in for their promised land 
because they weren't aware of the fact they had an enemy. All right? And the enemy came to steal, kill. Jesus makes it clear, John 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he does. He said, I came to give you life and life abundant. But the enemy is out there and coming to destroy and take. All right? And if you're not resisting that enemy, then what happens is he continues to steal and take from you. All right? And we're sitting there trying to get God to change, you know, to do something. When all along, it's you that needs to resist. You stand against. Take the word of God. Amen. Of course, we've done a many of teaching on this. And you take that word of God. You stand your ground. You make your declaration. You walk by faith. Amen. You, <coughs> pardon me, you uh, 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 possess and lay hold of that life you're called to, praise God, through a fight of faith, praise God. That's what we do, praise God. And so you got to be willing to do that. But you got to be willing to do it. Now, a lot of people get this mixed up. It says here, submit to God, resist the devil, and he flees. A lot of people are doing more about submitting to the enemy and resisting God. And the scripture says you can do that, all right? In fact, the word uh, brings some, there's some verses in here. In fact, um, let me give you, uh, let's do this. Let's go to 1 Peter. Let's do that. I was going to maybe throw another one at you, but we'll come back to it. 1 Peter chapter 5, and um, uh, verse, let's do verse 8 and 9. This whole text would be wonderful, but I think we're just going to do verse 8 and 9. It says, be sober, be vigilant. This is 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober, be vigilant, all right, be alert. That's what it's talking about. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I didn't say he has to. It just says he's walking about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Well, you just say you may not hear. Praise God. Amen. It says, um, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And then it says, resist him. Steadfast in the faith. Amen. Resist him. Amen. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. And some people say, well, that don't sound like a fun verse. All he's always saying is, listen, everybody has to do this. The same enemy is opposing you that's opposing your neighbor and the next person, the next person. And we all have some form of opposition coming, some form of, you know, the enemy, some form of pressure coming against us, maybe through intimidation, through deception, whatever it may be. But the bottom line is you have to resist it. You can't just stand there and let the enemy keep taking from you and stop trying to beg God to do something that he's already done for you. Amen. Just stand your ground as a child of God. You got the greater one on the inside. You're more than a conqueror. You're a world overcomer. Now get this. You ain't going to overcome something you're not willing to move forward in. And, and if you're not going to resist, you're probably not going to overcome that. In fact, uh, you know, many uh, years ago I heard a statement, you know, you're, not, you're never going to conquer what you don't confront. If you don't confront the enemy, you're never going to conquer the enemy, all right? If you don't resist, the enemy will never desist, okay? So you have to understand that's how this works, all right? You've got to resist that enemy. Remember, it says that if you will resist him, he will flee from you. In fact, in the Greek it says he'll flee in stark terror. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's a good promise, isn't it? Amen, but you've got to resist him. So you submit yourself to God. You resist the enemy, praise God, and what happens? The enemy flees. Let's look at one more verse, and it's in Ephesians chapter 4, please. Last verse here, Ephesians 4, verse 27 says, Nor give place to the devil. Praise God. <laughs> Don't give him place, amen. And literally, to give place, it literally means to grant or yield a place or foothold or an opportunity. Don't give the enemy 
Don't yield yourself or submit yourself to the enemy and give him opportunity and place. Amen. Resist your enemy. Don't give him place, praise God. Hallelujah. Now, I just want to bring this out. Hallelujah. And that's this, okay? Casual Christians become casualties, all right? So we don't want to lay down and give the enemy any kind of place. In fact, if you went back up into that, you know, Ephesians 4, and you kind of go all through there, it's really talking about, you know, not giving the enemy place, okay? It's talking about not getting casual, all right? Don't just lay down and, and just get, you know, comfortable, so to speak, all right? Amen. Hallelujah. The Scripture brings out, Woe to those who are at ease in Zion, okay? And I believe that's out of Amos. And so, uh, but it just talks about, praise God, not getting complacent. Amen. Hallelujah. The word complacent means this. No effort to try harder. No concern for future danger. And really, which all of complacency really is, is the devil's playground. And when you get complacent, amen, or you get casual, guess what? The enemy slides in there. Now, I brought all this out because you have to be aware, okay? Not only are you attentive. Not only are you pliable, amen, not only are you assertive, but you have to be aware of the fact you have an enemy. And you don't just get casual and lay down and just, you know, casually, you know, get nonchalant about your walking God. You have to be aware that anytime you're going to move forward and take ground, you just have to be aware of the fact that there's an enemy. But you can win every single time if you'll resist that enemy, praise God. If you'll follow God, submit to God, and resist that enemy, the enemy will flee. I hope you got something today. Father, I give praise and glory for this people. Thank you that an ear to hear today and a heart to receive. And Father, I give you praise for these principles today. Praise God. And I thank you that this is a people that will possess their promised land. They will take what's rightfully theirs. They'll lay hold of that life of God, that abundant life, that blessed life. And Father, I give you praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Child of God, I call you blessed. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WOVictory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.